The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's a Thursday here on the Vlogging the Boys podcast network, and of course that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with my man Tom Ryle and your boy Roy White at RW3. You can find us on Twitter. You can find Tom at Tom Ryle BTB, and of course you can find all the great content here at Blogging the Boys, powered by our friends at SB Nation at bloggingtheboys.com and at Blogging the Boys on Twitter and other various platforms. Quick reminder, The Oak Show with our man RJ Ochoa holding it down will be released after this podcast. So those of you listening to this wondering what happened to it, well, you can look forward to that later on today. But Tom, we have some exciting things to get to when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys because we don't have a practice to break down. Uh, The Cowboys opted... For the early summer route. And instead, they took themselves to Top Golf. Now, people that are in the Metroplex, Tom, they know Top Golf pretty well at this point. But for those that are unfamiliar, you know, you don't necessarily live in DFW. Have you been to Top Golf? Are you familiar with it? No, I haven't. Okay. Have you heard of it? Do you have any idea what it is? And what it entails? Not, re- not really. I'm not a guy that goes around, you know, playing, uh, you know, uh, pasture pools. So you'll have to fill me in. It is um, actually just, you know, just think of your standard golf, you know, driving range, except with points associated with it. So all of uh-huh. the targets, right, all of the holes have holes around them circles around them that effectively are holes themselves and the ball is kind of tracked by the system and you know awards you points relative to how close you're getting to the target right so a little bit of competitiveness there by mike mccarthy being instilled in the guys that at least have gotten to swing a few golf clubs and for those that have never been you know it's probably worth your time if you can get in usually there's like (laughs) a There, usually there's like an hour, hour and a half wait on the weekends. And there's three levels of this thing, Tom. So uh, so Top Golf, amazing that the Cowboys were able to even get in, right? Even oh, on a Wednesday. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how they I don't know how they did it. <laughs> yeah, Jerry Jones waved money at him. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow that's not Cowboys, hard to figure out. Uh, so so they got to have a little fun and and you know i give like if we're even giving an opinion about that um i give mike mccarthy credit 
for like keeping it light, right? We are still in the dog days of summer. And if you've been around Texas, you know that we're in the dog days of summer. So I think that was a smart move and one that his players will appreciate, you know, him later for, even if it's only yeah, for and, one more season. And I, I'd say that it's interesting they they canceled the what would have been the, the second day of practices because they always do a team-building exercise, and they only have two days of actual practices in minicamp. And I think it reflects the fact that the, they know – they know they've got Dak. He's healthy. He's been looking good. Uh, they know the running back situation. Uh, they can't do a lot about the offensive line in these practices because they're just not conducive to really uh, doing a lot there. And so many of their wide receivers were missing time that I can see how they felt there wasn't a lot of benefit for the offense. And then conversely on the defensive side, uh, you know, you can't really have much contact, so your your defensive line doesn't get as much out of it. And I think this is just a decision that, you know, hey, it's, it's tough, it's hot, uh, and there's not that much value to be gained. Let's, you know, just take it off, let everybody go get rested up and refreshed, and then hit it hard out at Oxnard in July. Well where the weather will be much more welcoming to this Cowboys team, although it can get hot in Oxnard in the summertime, but it ain't getting hot like it is here in North Texas right now. Uh, Up over the hundreds here in the middle of June. That usually doesn't come until mid-July, folks. Yeah, yeah, and that the the ocean being right there modulates things quite a bit. You know, having been out there was, you know, the, the sun kind of beat down, but other than that, it was very pleasant when I was there last year. I wish I could go back, but I'm not going to be able to make it back. Uh, Who knows when, if I ever will, but at least I've had the experience checked off that, that, that block on my bucket list. So it's worth it for one trip alone. No question about it. While you can still afford it, because boy, it's getting harder and harder cost wise to get out to Oxnard while the Cowboys are out there, but plenty of other things to talk about when it comes to the Cowboys is we did get, you know, a little bit of, residue left over from Mike McCarthy's meeting with the media there on Tuesday. And there were a couple of things that not only, you know, articles at blogging the boys have already touched on, but a couple of things that stood out to you and I, Tom, that thankfully have not really been raked over the coals to this point. And so we wanted to get into a little bit of that. Um, You know, the first thing I think most people keyed in on and correct me if I'm wrong, but the most buzzworthy news from the Mike McCarthy presser was that there would be more designed runs for Dak Prescott. And one of the things that that led me to do immediately is to go and look at the actual numbers behind Dak's rushing attempts last year. Cause I felt in watching the games that Dak wasn't rushing enough and that they weren't utilizing him enough. And from an efficiency standpoint, that seems to bear out. He had, far fewer runs for first downs this past season. While he did tend to run close to about the same that he had in years past, about three carries per game over his career, it's been about three and a half. It certainly seemed like the the runs last season were, for whatever reason, much more inefficient than they had been in years past. And, you know, that leads one to ask, 
Is that a reflection, Tom, of the injury that he sustained? And can we look forward to him bouncing back to what he was previously? Or as an aging quarterback, is this a part of the game that just does start to go at some point and you need to be mindful of it from a coaching standpoint and from a fan base standpoint? Yeah, uh, I think this absolutely was about the injuries. And, and by the way, what we're doing here is we're taking a few topics and we're looking at whether the, the, the optimism that seems to be coming out either from the media or among the fans is real or are we getting fooled again? And so this is one that I think is very real. Uh, McCarthy came right out and said that they, they had, as he put it, to be smart with Prescott last, last year because he was coming off, off of a horrendous ankle injury, had a calf problem just that, uh, for the, for the uh, portion of the season after the bye because he injured himself literally on the last defensive play he had before the bye week. And uh, so, you know, he's, he's healthy. And the reason I think this is especially likely uh, to be something that's going to going to hold up and be very true is because Kellen Moore used him more back when he was healthy. He liked to have designed running plays with Dak to mix in there. And I also think that this actually may be more important for the running or for the passing game than using Dak as a rusher uh, while he's very effective running the ball. I think the fact that they're going to be more willing to roll him out and move him around, uh, he's very good throwing on the run. And I think they were a little hesitant to put him out there having to do that last year as well. So, yeah, I think this is a very good sign and something that we can pretty much believe what they said. We're going to be seeing the mobility of Dak Prescott be a bigger factor in the offense, both you know, threatening the run, uh, some legit run pass option plays and just moving him around uh, behind the line of scrimmage rather than just having them drop back in the pocket. That may be very crucial given the, uh, the problems on the offensive line. Being able to move him is a way to help sort of uh, compensate for, for uh, the pass rush coming at him. It makes it a little bit more challenging to get to him. Uh, you know, you only have to really maybe block on the right half of the field rather than having to, to block everybody coming in just because he'll be able to kind of move away from the guys coming from the other side. So I, I look forward to seeing this carry through. And I think it's just a sign of he's healthy. He's had the full off season. He's feeling good. I love how uh, McCarthy said he looks more flexible out there. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I really want to see his flexibility tested, but let's see if we can't get get him playing more like he was back before he had his big injury uh, in 2020. Yeah, and those efficiency numbers bear out. You know, the the attempts per game, three per game last season, but the yards per attempt were uh, almost half of what he has averaged for his career, uh, three yards per attempt versus a career average of 4.8 in most seasons, he's averaged, you know, at least five per carry. And in addition to that, he was averaging almost double the yardage on the ground for his career, 17 yards a game as he did last season, about nine yards per game. So there's a lot yeah. of reason I think to believe and buy that one. Uh, that one feels like a real feeling. Yeah. 
And one one more thing, I think more of his runs last year came from evading the pass rush rather than anything that was planned or built into the play design. So, yeah, I think we're going to see him used much more effectively, and it's going to be much more a proactive thing than a reactive one. Could we see Dak Prescott catch a pass this season? Uh, well, who was throwing the pass to him? Didn't Gallup throw one? He did. Was that- he has a reception in his career, um, two targets, two attempts. They did it back when he was a rookie one time, but he didn't catch that one. But he did have a catch there in 2020 before he got hurt. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that at some point during the season just to, you know, keep it in people's minds. There's a, a lot of things that you want to show at some point just so that the defensive coordinators have to factor that into their game planning. Something just a little extra complexity. Yeah. Well, and hopefully they'll save something too for the stretch run, but let's be honest, we got to get to that point first. So I'd rather see them empty the bag than leave anything left over hoping and thinking they were going to be playing in a bigger game than what they need to be. It needs to be at least the NFC championship game. So that one's a real, right? We feel real. We feel good about what Mike McCarthy said in hyping up that one. I think the second most noteworthy item from his press conference earlier this week, the usage of one Tony Pollard. I don't even want to call him RB two anymore because I think we all know the truth. He is RB one a. And if it weren't for contract status, he might be RB1. Yeah, I kind of differ a little bit on that because I think he should be considered RB different. He is He's not Ezekiel Elliott light. He is a different style of runner. And what they're saying and what we did see somewhat in the OTAs is that they're looking at lining him up more as a receiver, using him differently, having him on the field at the same time as Zeke, and trying to do some creative things out of that, you do have to caveat it. He got used as a receiver, I think, because Gallup's out, Tolbert missed some time. Uh, I think Washington missed some time. So part of that was just necessity. They had to line him up in the slot just to be able to have some good people out there for Dak to work with. Um, but I have my doubts. We've kind of heard a little bit of this before. And Kellen Moore is still calling the plays. And I didn't see, especially when they had Prescott was was dealing with that calf, or, that, or excuse me, with, yeah, with the calf strain uh, that he was dealing with. Uh, I just felt that that Moore wasn't getting creative trying to find other ways to do it. He just got more conservative. So this one is falls in the category of you're going to have to show. You're going to have to show the, you know, for me to believe in it, I'll have to see him do it on the field. And I actually think that's completely fair. Uh, while I want to buy it and I want to co-sign to say that it's a good idea. These are all things we've been saying for years and Mm -hmm. we haven't actually seen it manifest itself on the field. Now, perhaps this is the year that it happens because out of necessity, they do need to replace something like 65 catches from Amari Cooper last year. And I don't have a ton of faith in the 
back end of the wide receiver group that they're all going to be able to do that. So can Tony Pollard contribute 20, 25 catches this season? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. And really that probably should have been what he's been doing up to this point. So, yeah, and he, he, he may also, we're, we're probably going to see it heavier while we're waiting for Gallup to get back in the lineup. Uh, so if there is a fall off after Gallup comes back in, I don't think that's a huge concern, but they, they just need to do more. Pollard offers stuff that they're just leaving on the shelf for no reason. The next buzzworthy item, I think, that came out of the press conference and really, it's dragged on since um, because it's become such a hot button fun thing to tease about on Twitter. How about the number of guys that are in the best shape of their lives? I mean, I the weight the the, the weight room at the Cowboys facility must have just been jumping all off season. Um, you know, the cooks must have just been flipping foods and getting all the best ingredients out. You know, in this time when it feels so hard to get anything, right? Boy, they, yeah. they just got these guys eating right and doing all the right stuff, don't they? Oh, yeah. And and we see this every season. And to me, this is just pure fluff, window dressing, malarkey, whatever you want to call it. I just, it's just something. And it, this goes on across the league, too. You hear about people being in the best shape of their life. And it just, it's, it's extremely unrealistic, especially if you've got guys that are in their fourth season or beyond. A guy in his second or third year may actually be in the best football shape of his life because college players come in. The NFL does a better job with strength and conditioning than, than almost all college programs. And they're getting NFL-level coaching. And if you've got good coaches, I think the Cowboys have some good coaches, then, yeah, a player can actually be hitting his physical peak between all this uh, in addition to hit, getting his skills down in about the second or third year. But once you get into the fourth year, telling me somebody is in the best shape of their life, I'm going like, uh-huh. They've been playing NFL football for years now, and, and they just are carrying damage that's building up. That's why pro careers – are so short in the NFL. Uh, and so when I see all this, I think immediately, wait, you're just remembering when they were hurt last fall, when they had <laughs> some struggles last fall. And now they look great. They look more like their old self. Doesn't mean they're better than they've ever been. It just means, hey, this looks better than what we were watching. And I think recency bias is just a part of all this. And so I just, when I hear this, I just let it go in one ear and out the other. I especially loved how they were talking about how great Mike McCarthy looks because I'm thinking, and who cares about that? I mean, <laughs> great for him because losing some weight and getting a little trimmer is good for his health and all that. And he probably feels better. But what does that have to do with football? Oh, come on. That was that was that was a laugh. <laughs> oh. Well, I have enjoyed that. That was a good little, that was a good little Tom rant. I appreciate that. that was a riled up worthy rant right there. Uh, I really enjoyed that because, you know, I, <laughs> the point you made about guys at the cutoff age, almost of like 25, 26, 
You you've, yeah. you literally can't be in the best shape of your life. Don't tell me Tyron Smith is in the best shape of his life. Don't tell me Zach Martin's in the best shape of his life. Don't even tell me Zeke is in the best shape of his life, right? I hear he's spry yeah. and cutting, and I get that. Uh, he is not in the best shape of his life. So that's hyperbole. I guarantee – I was – guarantee he was in better shape maybe his rookie year just because the guy was in phenomenal shape to begin with than he is now it's just we don't have any way to actually go and and measure that and so when they this all comes out it's just like yeah we've heard this song and dance before well we've had a good run here uh a little bit of real like real hope a little bit of uh medium hype right but i'll buy it till i you know i'll believe it when i see it and then some real real fake hype stuff uh real yeah. outrageous stuff so i think this one next one is is going to be interesting where you fall the micah parson hype that's coming on um and i shouldn't even use the word hype because it's just kind of how people are analyzing micah's game and where it might potentially be able to rise to considering he was a rookie last season, number one. Number two, he spent the entire season prior to that not playing football because he wasn't playing that year in college due to COVID. And also, given the history in the NFL of players improving in their second and third seasons and beyond, it's not really that hard to think that Micah Parsons could improve on what he did a season ago knowing all that. But then when you look at the statistics that he actually put up, Tom, oh gosh, if he does better than if he puts up something better than that, yeah, we and, may be looking at an all-time season, just like he, last year's was for a rookie. And don't forget, he played on a hyperextended knee all season. He didn't have a chance to rest it, heal it. It's rested and healed now. So if they can keep him from getting nicked up in training camp and preseason. This is this is entirely plausible. I mean, I think he probably could have been defensive player of the year if he put out the numbers last year in his second if and but but been a second or third year player. I think because he was a rookie and because he was playing in something that you just don't see, he was an off-ball linebacker who was brilliant at that job and arguably one of the best edge rushers in the league, all at the same time. He just couldn't do both at the same time every play. And I think people were kind of like, well, what is he? And, and you know, I think when he he comes in, if, if they use him properly, and I don't see Dan Quinn's going to mess that up, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be in the conversation, uh, and he's just he is he is that good. He is he is a true unicorn. He is an incredible find for the Cowboys in the first round. Uh, you know, and I was one of the people that went, "Oh, they drafted another linebacker." I thought this was a bad thing, and boy, am I glad to have been proven completely wrong about that. You know, I'll admit that I did not see what they had there, and so. Yeah, I, I see him as one of the – he should be among the top five or so candidates for defensive player of the year. And I, I don't see any reason to doubt that he's not going to be in that conversation all the way to the end. 100% agree. I, mean, I 
don't always love a podcast where the two individuals agree on everything because you know how boring is that but geez (laughs) um how are you gonna deny micah parsons and his ability and and what it could be next season i mean he didn't have tank lawrence opposite for half of the games almost that he played in um you know there were multiple times when he was being asked to do things that if they were fully healthy he might not have been asked to do so there's definitely situations where micah parsons can improve next season i am interested though I kind of like what the split will be. You know, when we look at it at the end of the season, is the perfect split kind of a 70-30 pass rusher to linebacker scenario? Um, The more that I see the success that he has as a pass rusher, the more that I'm kind of on the side of saying, give me more of Micah the pass rusher. Or, hell, just play him on the line on every play, and he can do both, I guess, at any time. Just just play him on the line at every play. And that well, way the, the, defense, the offense always has to guess. Well, here's one where we differ. I think I would like to see him do him more as an off-ball linebacker and blitz him with the hope that they can get somebody up on the line at right defensive end who can carry the load there. You know, that's kind of the hope with Sam Williams or maybe Dorrance Armstrong or who knows, maybe, maybe Dante Fowler. Somebody can can hold that load, can can provide the pressure from there, and then bring Parsons on a blitz because I I think he can be at least as devastating to the quarterback. Just all of a sudden coming, and when you've got you know everything's going, then all of a sudden here he comes zooming in because when he comes in, he comes in like like a like one of the missiles in Top Gun Maverick. I mean, he's coming in fast. Yeah, we, I mean, the closing speed that he's uh, experienced, like that he's shown off. I mean, Pat, he surprised Patrick Mahomes a season ago. I think uh, there were several players last season that I remember watching specifically uh, the replays of you could see in the quarterback's face going, Oh, I don't have as much time as I thought I did. And by that time, <laughs> it was all like by that thought going across their face, going across their eyes, it was already too late. So, real. Like reason to feel really hopeful about the Cowboys is Micah Parsons there in 2023. How about then, you know, we'll, we'll kind of end it with the rookie evaluations. There's seemingly many, many players that Cowboys fans are expecting to win starting jobs out of camp. Um, I think I would put the over under at two and a half. And the only reason there is because, I think I'll give you that they're going to have a rookie starting at place kicker, right? Um, okay. Don't count him. Don't I count him. don't want to count, count him either, don't, but don't, don't count. Don't count place would kicker. Probably count them. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't count the place kicker. You're just looking at the guys that play on, on offensive defense. Okay. Then one and a half, then one and a half starters on yeah. offensive defense from the rookie draft class. I'm, I'm a little more pessimistic. I think it's one. The over/under is one, uh, and that's that's largely because they've pretty much committed to Tyler Smith starting at left guard. Well, that's uh, why I, I got to have the half in there, right? One and a half, because yeah. I feel like the one's kind of a given. The question is, is anybody else going to earn another starting yeah. spot? Is that yeah even a possibility? Uh, 
and and I will admit that part of that is is because I'm kind of saying, look, Jalen Tolbert is likely to be one of your starting three wide receivers at the beginning of the season because they don't have any choice. To me, that's not quite the same as a guy coming in and just, you know, proving he's better than the veteran talent that you've got on the team. Uh, you know, I think they're going to throw him out there. I hope he's going to be okay. Uh, a lot of people are are saying Sam Williams has a really great chance to to claim the starting job out at right defensive end. Yeah, I, I just I I think he's got the potential to become the starting right defensive end for the Cowboys. I just don't see that it's going to happen just right out the gate. Uh, you know, these are still rookies. They're still making the leap from the from the college ranks to the pros. Um, and it takes a while to develop. It takes a while to adjust. They've got to learn, uh, you know, all the new scheme on top of everything else because, uh, you know, it's almost certain that they're, they're under different terminology and different assignments and things than they had in their college days. And you just look at the, the numbers. You don't normally see a bunch of rookie starters come out. You don't see two or three rookie starters happen very often. One, well, that's why, you know, first rounders are supposed to be able to step in or come very close to it. So, yeah, that that could well happen for, for you know, at least we're hoping Tyler Smith works. But even with him, is that just because he's the only one? Remember, Connor McGovern is another guy that's in the best shape of his career right now. So, uh, you know, we'll have to we'll have to see how that is. I think this idea that they're going to just put a bunch of rookies in there and be really great, it's going to help. If they're starting three rookies uh, the first week of the season, I think that's a worrisome thing, not encouragement. It just means that the depth on this team is far worse than it needs to be. Uh, now, I'd love to be proven wrong again. I'm just you know looking realistically from a historical viewpoint I think this is being overhyped, uh, and I just uh, people people fall into this, especially this time of year. They don't have a lot of negative stuff coming out. You know, we've we've heard how, how could they? They're uh, not losing. They're kicking, yeah, they're kicking we, ass every day. Yeah, we've we've heard how Tyler Smith looked really great, but most of that was against uh, well, let's go uh, an undrafted rookie. Uh, so, okay, he beats him up. It's, it's encouraged to see that he did manage to maybe beat Der- Terrence Steele on a play, but that's one play. Now, how uh, about also the day that the offense went like a reported 0 for 17 or something like that uh, against the defense? That, uh, that made it fun. Well, the defense is usually further along. Now, that may be a bit much, but once again, who's Dak Prescott trying to throw to? Who was the quarterback? Uh, you know, uh, it did come out of camp that looks like Cooper Rush is really locking down the QB2 role that nobody's going to really challenge him, which I think most of us have been expecting for a while. But, uh, you know, Let's face it that, you know, the, the other, the other quarterbacks are not doing a whole lot rear, uh, you know, and, and what's that other guy's name? Well, Cooper Greer. And I mean, I think, yeah, the fourth quarterback that is so 
unworth knowing that I wouldn't even Danucci. bother. Danucci. Yeah, Danucci. He yeah, has been worth. Yeah, Danucci you know. is like I. I'm still not exactly sure why. Pet cat. On the team. <laughs> McCarthy's pet cat. That's all. That's all. Well, that's all we. Got. I, I I know that's the theory. That just seems like such a strange reason, but it also proves that coaches are just like the rest of us. They don't make every decision on a rational basis. They get these emotional attachments, and you know. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, bless Danucci. He's making a, a decent little living, you know, having been on the practice squad and spent a few weeks on the 53-man roster. And that's great for him and all that. It just, I don't think it's doing the team any good at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last little part, at least we know, no holdout for Dalton Schultz. Now, we probably would have known that. Um, if you just understood the yeah. CBA and understood how little leverage these guys have when it comes to holding out now and how much money they can lose if yep. they try to do that. And so it was always going to be kind of a given that he would be there. But that means, Tom, less opportunities for Jake Ferguson to be the starting tight end. Yeah. See, that's you didn't even mention. We're talking about rookie starters. You didn't even give me Jake. Yeah. Ferguson, and bro, what's the matter with you? And, and in the article that's going to be linked to this, I mentioned that, that there are people that were saying Schultz better not hold out or Ferguson is going to take tight end one away from him. Like, give me a break. Give me a break. It's no, no. Schultz, Schultz is a proven starting tight end. Uh, probably he's one of those guys that's in the latter part of the top half. You know, uh, he's, he's not one of your top five, top six tight ends, but He's a solid, very good starter who's got good chemistry with his quarterback. And Ferguson's, I, I would be, you know, absolutely stunned if Ferguson could come in and really challenge him. I think Jeremy Sprinkle has probably going to be Ferguson's biggest concern. And I think Ferguson's going to wind up third on the tight end chart. That's just, I'm sorry for trying to be realistic here. There he goes. It's my flaw. Wet blanket, Tom <laughs> Ryle, ladies and gentlemen, you can hit him up at Tom Ryle BTB. Of course you can hit me up at RW three on the Twitter sphere. And you can follow all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com and on Twitter at blogging the boys. Remember, RJ Ochoa is coming at you with the Ocho this afternoon. So if you missed that, make sure you stick around to the podcast area and you will find that uploaded later on today. But for Tom, I'm Roy. Stay riled up on the Cowboys and we'll see you next week. <laughs>